someone in his family was a victim of a violent crime. After entering into finance, he made the decision to dedicate his life to helping law enforcement officers, other first responders with their financial needs and helping their families as well. In addition, he is the true crime category director for Podcast Magazine. Welcome to the Law Enforcement Today radio show. I'm your host. My name's John J. Wiley. In addition to being a radio broadcaster, I'm a retired police sergeant. For the latest news articles and much more, check out our website, letradioshow.com. In the Law Enforcement Today show, we'll be joined by special guests. We'll be talking about their experiences and issues affecting law enforcement officers, first responders, their families, their community, and victims of horrendous crimes. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Our page is Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Check out the daily articles on our website, letradioshow.com. And while you're there, download our free app. If you enjoy the Law Enforcement Today podcast, do me a big favor. Tell a friend. And if you're able, if you've got a few moments, leave an honest review and rating. But most importantly, tell a friend or two or three. Calling us from Southern California, we have Ken Bader on the phone, or Kenneth will be official. And the reason I say official, because he is the true crime category director for Podcast Magazine. It's podcastmagazine.com. I'll tell you why that's so important in a little bit. He's also a podcaster. He's heavily involved with a group called Police Credit Unions. And Ken, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Very much appreciated. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor, man. You're originally from the Chicago area, correct? Originally, yeah. I, I was born and raised there. I lived there for about 40 years, uh, but I'm only 25. So Yeah, isn't that, that funny out. how that happens? That math doesn't work at my age anymore. <laughs> I, I, I don't even count anymore. It doesn't matter. The reason why I say the podcast magazine is so important, Ken did a great article, great interview, in my opinion, phenomenal interview of me for one of my other podcasts called True Crime Fighters, and it's in the June 2021 issue. If you go to podcastmagazine.com and look at the True Crime section, you'll find it there, and you did an awesome job on that. Well, thank you, my friend. You are you are a very easy subject, uh, and and a, and a great conversation, man. You know, it, it it makes it a lot easier. And fortunately, this is about eighty percent to ninety percent of the time when I'm interviewing somebody for Podcast Magazine. It, it's always such a enjoyable just conversation, and so it's, it's easy to get a lot of details and get a great article out of it. Stories are so important. And I remember growing yes. up as a kid, listening to family stories, and we would howl, and we would laugh, and we would cry. And then you had, remember, you're a little bit younger than me, Ken, but sitting around the campfire and having ghost stories didn't matter if any of them were true or not. It was the whole experience. You did it with a group of people. And I think one of the power of the Law Enforcement Today radio show and podcast is, is that People tell their stories about their experience. It's not so much about their opinions. You don't say about opinions. Everybody's got one. I'm not going to go further on that. But everybody's got a unique story. (laughs) What makes yours different is you're heavily involved in the law enforcement world, but you're not a law enforcement officer. 
No, I'm not. It was kind of a, an interesting journey in that uh, my early career really started in in banking and financial institutions out of college. Um, I did for a very, and I do want to stress the words, very brief time trained to be a firefighter. Uh, now, while I was very good in my early 20s at all the physical tests, passed them with flying colors, maybe I just wasn't sharp enough. I never passed the written test, never liked physics or chemistry, and that's kind of important in being a firefighter. Yeah, it is. Uh, but I went into the banking and financial institutions, and uh, back in 2001, I uh, started my own consulting firm, and one of my very first clients was Chicago Patrolman's Federal Credit Union. And it became clear that although the credit union industry is very big on having what I'll call niche groups for collaboration, they had one for airline credit unions, one for teachers credit unions, so on and so forth, but they didn't have one for police credit unions. So my friend Scott Arney, the CEO of Chicago Patrolman's, and I started it in 2004. And uh, we've been the Police Officers Credit Union Association, or what I call the POC way, ever since. And that's that's how I got heavily involved with law enforcement. So kind of a backdoor thing, because you never really set out to do this type of thing. You know, what was interesting is is I always had an appreciation for all first responders. The the original impetus for me to start the POC way was simply because there was a need. Yeah, from an entrepreneurial perspective, I saw that nobody was doing it. Saw that it was it was a definite need for law enforcement, especially the financial institutions that served them, and and filled that need. I would say that through my work in the POC way, every single year my affinity for first responders and especially law enforcement grew uh, tenfold to today, which actually, to be very, very blunt, I have more of an affiliation with my law enforcement colleagues than I actually do in, in the credit union world, if you could believe that. I do believe it. Well, I always say this. Law enforcement people, in my opinion, are some of the salted, and I'm, I got nothing against our firefighter brothers and sisters. They're phenomenal people as sure. well. We're, we're like a big family, and, and that includes EMTs, emergency room nurses, and it's a big family. But law enforcement people are some real characters. I'm telling you, they are the salt of the earth, and talking about storytellers, they've come up with all kinds of weird experiences as part of the job that they can tell. I want to go back a bit before you get any credit union stuff, because my wife and I started watching, and people have been telling us for a long time, start watching this series, Bosch. And I'm not a big fan of American police stories. And one of the reasons why is, first of all, they always show them living in some phenomenal million-dollar loft apartment, driving high-end <laughs> sports cars and dining at fancy restaurants. We're watching Bosch, and it's no exception. Uh, he's got his really nice apartment with a phenomenal view of L.A. So my wife looks at me, and she goes, and I met her years after retiring from Baltimore. She goes, yeah, it wasn't quite like that for you. You were eating ramen noodles, weren't you? I was like, yeah, we couldn't afford an apartment by ourselves. The pay was so bad. 
Yeah, yeah, it's funny. You know, it, it, everybody everybody thinks all of us that live in Southern California, you know, live like uh, Tony Stark and Iron Man with the big Malibu Palace uh, overlooking the Pacific Ocean. Uh, my wife and I are fortunate enough to to live pretty close to to the ocean, but about a mile off of it in a seven hundred square foot house. Now, don't get me wrong; it's an extremely nice beach house uh but it definitely isn't tony starks <laughs> so you mean not everybody has that hollywood lifestyle and i watch these she makes me i'm gonna confess right now she makes me watch these flipping shows where they flip houses <laughs> in california yeah. i'm not gonna say the couple but is it oh yeah it's 987 square feet and it's seven hundred fifty thousand dollars before we put half a million into it and it's gonna sell for two million dollars i'm like are they out of their minds yeah, you know, it's all location, 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 my friend. Yeah, it's funny because my my parents retired from Chicago up to uh, Wisconsin, just north of Milwaukee, and they have a gorgeous house. We could probably fit four of uh, our houses in my parents' house. Uh, and our house in Long Beach, California, is actually worth more on Zillow than my parents' house, which is which is much newer and has a view of Lake Michigan, has four bedrooms and three and a half baths. <laughs> but we we just happen to be in a great neighborhood about a mile from the ocean, and that raises up the price immediately. <laughs> so it's safe to say it's not going to have the view that uh, Bosch's place has in that television series. We're talking with Ken Bader. He is a podcaster. His show is called Public Safety Talk Radio. He's heavily involved with police credit unions. You can get more information at their website. It is policecreditunions.com. And he's also the true crime category director for Podcast Magazine. This is Law Enforcement Show. We'll take a short break. We'll be right back. Hey, folks, when you have a chance, check out our Facebook page. Do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. When you get there, click like and follow. As click, like, and follow Law Enforcement Today Radio Show on Facebook. The show is brought to you in part by the Change of Culture Podcast, a podcast hosted by a female cop personal development, mindset reset, and perspective changing content are all featured in the Change of Culture podcast. Return conversation with Kenneth Bader on the Law Enforcement Show. Kenneth is the true crime category director for Podcast Magazine, which is a big deal. Check them out at podcastmagazine.com. And by the way, he did an article about me and one of my podcasts, True Crime Fighters, in the June 2021 issue. You can find it at podcastmagazine.com. He's also a podcaster. He has this show called Public Safety Talk Radio Podcast. He's heavily involved with police credit unions. Their website is policecreditunions.com. I want to talk about the true crime category. Uh It is red hot in the podcasting world, and it's starting to catch fire in radio. A lot of radio stations are very receptive to having a law enforcement show because we're kind of true crime with a twist. We we have some right. of the elements, but it's really a personal journal storytelling radio show. What is your overall perception of why true crime in particular in the podcast world is so red hot? 
That is an awesome question. Uh, you know, I'm not a psychologist, although, you know, I did stay at a f***ing express the other night. Uh, I, I, I think I think part of it is the fascination that some people have with horror movies. Yeah, they they like to be scared. They they like to to delve into that particular part of their psyche. They like to be uncomfortable. But you know what what you said about true crime is true. It's it's huge and it's funny because when I agreed to be the true crime category director for Podcast Magazine a, a little under two years ago, I, I knew that the true crime category was a big one. I didn't know that it quite possibly is the number one biggest category in podcasting in general. Yeah, it's it's like it's like porn to the internet. It is. You know, it's, it's like the number one category. So yeah, I've I've learned a lot more about true crime as well as is my attraction to it. My my initial attraction was simply one I I enjoyed watching Dateline and Unsolved Mysteries and so forth. And then also, given my strong affinity towards law enforcement felt that if I was going to write for Podcast Magazine, that that was the category that I needed to to write for. And our, our founder, Steve Olsher, saw that immediately and uh, asked me to come on board. So I, I think that you know, part of, of our attraction to true crime and why it's such a, a top category is is that you know, we we're, we're trying to to dive into a, a piece in our psyche. I think a part of us, you know, wants to be a, exposed to what's going on out there to to understand the 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 psyche of, of why some of these things happen. Maybe we're looking for answers. Uh, yeah, to kind of give you an example, I'm, I'm currently um, researching a podcast called Killer's Vault. It's a brand new podcast. It's done by Elizabeth Rome and Eric Roberts. Uh, some people may remember Elizabeth Rome for law, from Law and Order. Uh, Eric Roberts did a ton of movies uh, like Runaway Train and uh, also... It's um, Julia Roberts' that was my brother, favorite, right? Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> That's Julia Roberts' brother, correct? I believe so. Yeah. When I when I talk to Eric, I'm not going to say, "Hey, how's your sister?" But uh, but yes, if I remember that correctly, that is Julia Roberts' brother. <laughs> you would think that uh, people like that would not get into the true crime genre. Part of I don't I don't have a deep fascination for it. I never listen to true crime podcasts. Number one, because quite often. It's someone reading from Wikipedia and they're trying to poke holes in why they think the person's not guilty. And they come up with far-fetched, crazy conspiracies and all this stuff. And I'm just not one of those guys. When you have Eric Roberts and the other woman, and they both came from Hollywood, why would they want to start delving into podcasting? And why would they want to focus on true crime? Yeah, you know, great, great questions. You know, and on the last one, you know, I'm certainly going to find that out. I think part of it is the opportunity to delve into simply a very popular genre. But one of the things that's interesting about Killer's Vault, and I'm not promoting Killer's Vault, just simply using them as an example, is Eric Roberts does an excellent job of narrating these letters, these old letters from serial killers, 
to the point where it's it's really disturbing and creepy, but you want to keep listening. And I believe part of that is you want to get into the heads of these criminals in terms of why do people do this stuff? So I think that's part of the attraction of true crime. Yeah, in terms of, of what you said, in terms of uh, the true crime, sometimes having conspiracy theories and so forth, there's certainly some of that out there. I personally try to stay away from that for Podcast Magazine. Many of the podcasts that, that I cover are really offering a service and are, are not just out to say, well, hey, you know, the police didn't do their job on this one. Uh, but trying to keep some of these uh, cold cases alive in the public eye. Many police officers that I've talked to have even said that good podcasters, good true crime podcasters, can actually be a great help to them because they can't work 24-7, right. and they certainly can't cover a case from the day they from from the point that they come into work to the point that they leave but if somebody else digs in a little bit and also makes a connection with say a witness that they didn't make as good a connection with that just helps them to solve a case that may have been there for a long time so i agree with you some yeah. of some of the true crime out there is kind of grandiose and very conspiracy conspiracy theorists, if you if you will. But there are many podcasters out there that that truly are keeping the cases in the public eye for the right reason. One of the things I just love is when we hear about unsolved cases, and there are many in my career. And there's a saying we have that it's not the ones we solved that we think about at night. It's the ones we couldn't solve. And quite often yeah. we knew who did it or we thought we knew who did it, but we couldn't get enough evidence to, to bring them to court and to bring charges against them. And it's very, very frustrating. And it's, it's the only word I can think of right now. I could think of several cases right now. But if I went to like a Facebook group that's Baltimore police people and I mentioned a name, I would have people yelling at me. You know, all capital letters. Why did you bring that up? You know, because I try my best not to think about it. So when these cases get solved, if it's 20, 30 years later, it's a relief. I like applaud. One of the things my wife does, and I've had many guests on here from Investigation Discovery Channel, Joe Kenda, Rod Demery, many others, is she watches these shows and she goes, I love the way Joe Kenda talks. And I'm like, he talks like every cop I know. And I don't mean that as an insult. I mean, he's just like, that's right. how he is. This is the story. I'm going to tell you about this case, and you decide whether you like it or not, which is part of what we do here in a Law Enforcement Today show. We have people tell their story from their experience because you can't argue with the people's experience. You can argue facts. You can argue opinions. You can argue statistics all day long, but people's experience, you either accept it on its face or reject it. This is the Law Enforcement Today show. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. Want to win great prizes in awesome contests? Who wouldn't want that? It's easy. Just sign up and subscribe for the Law Enforcement Today radio show email newsletter. We won't spam you. No more than two emails a week. I promise. All subscribers are automatically entered in all future contests. Sign up at letradioshow.com. Scroll down to the sign-up area. That's letradioshow.com. Return conversation with Kenneth Bader on the Law Enforcement Today show. Kenneth is a podcaster. His show is called 
the Public Safety Talk radio podcast. You can find it at policecreditunions.com. We'll talk about policecreditunions.com in a moment. He's also the true crime category director for Podcast Magazine. Go to podcastmagazine.com. He did an interview with me in June 2021 issue on podcast True Crime Fighters. Ken, one of the things we talked about earlier is there's so many misconceptions about police work in the United States, mainly due to Hollywood. When I say Hollywood, I mean television, movies, social media, news, everybody. One of the biggest misconceptions is that from Miami Vice to Bosch to whatever it is, these cops, these firefighters, they live in high dollar apartments. They have a great carefree and easy financial lifestyle. They drive high end sports cars and nothing could be further from the truth. Everybody I know, myself included, lived barely above poverty. Nowadays, it's better, but still so many people are working two, three jobs, all this extra overtime, and they're they're living a lifestyle where they wind up getting injured and they go to 66 and two thirds and a lot of them have to declare bankruptcy and lose their homes because they can't sustain that financial burden. Is that part of why police credit unions is around and what you do? It it is, and you must be watching different shows than I am. I mean, my favorite movie is Dirty Harry, and I just uh, turned on cable the other day in Black Rain with Michael Douglas was on, and they both lived in apartments, so (laughs) maybe I'm watching the wrong Somewhere along the way, Ken, (laughs) it shifted from the 70s and early 80s to something, and I think it was Miami Vice, because everybody was glamorous in that show. Yeah, yeah, that's the movies. And, you know, the, the reason the reason police credit unions and any credit union is around to begin with is is to serve the underserved, to to, to look out for the, the little guy. And I truly believe that's what all police credit unions do throughout the country. Everyone that, that I have had the pleasure to work with, and we have about 20 of them in the POCUA that are part of the association, uh, really focus on the financial education piece. Yeah, yeah, you know, they, they certainly offer checking accounts and loans and all that other stuff that frankly isn't that glamorous. It's definitely 180 degrees from Miami Vice, but they go out of their way to, to, to help the officer and their families make the most out of their money and make the right decisions. You know, some, sometimes, unfortunately, some of these officers get themselves into trouble by not understanding some some basic financial principles in that they they buy the $50,000 truck with all these bells and whistles and then work the overtime and the side security job in order to pay for that and the boat and all these other things when for instance you know maybe buying that used truck that's only 2 or 3 years old that has most of the bells and whistles that you want that is maybe 60% of the price of a new one is going to serve you just fine. Uh, looking for ways to save because it's not always how much you make, it's, it's how much you keep and oh, how yeah. much you can plan for the future. And, and the last thing that I'll mention, and this is what police credit unions in general really, really understand, is that many of the officers out there, especially today, understand that this shift could be my last shift so i'm going to live for today and they realize that but they also help their officers realize that 
you know what? You may be around for another 40, 50 years, and you want to enjoy that time with your family. Let's make sure that you don't have to go into bankruptcy, that we can make sure that you're taking care of your family and taking yourself taking care of yourself financially. The truth is, in law enforcement, you're one bad call away from financial disaster. Absolutely. And we've had so many people between law enforcement today, just go to letradioshow.com and search some of the articles. One of the, the overriding themes I hear from so many people, Ken, and it disturbs me to no end, is that, that I wish I had died instead of being injured and surviving. My family had been much better off if I had been killed. And it, it's heartbreaking when you hear that, but that is something that happens to so many of our law enforcement officers. They go to work, they're young, they're vibrant, They've got young kids, they're happily married, they've got all the bills, the mortgage, all that other stuff, and they wind up getting shot multiple times, they survive, but they're on 66 and two-thirds, and they can't afford it, and their family can't afford yeah. it, and there's just, there's no lifeline for them. Yeah, yeah, that is that is terrible. You know, even from our police credit union standpoint, a lot of our POCUA institutions do offer a program called Killed in the Line of Duty Insurance, which can take care of their entire families. But as you said, that's only if they get killed in the line of duty. Right. <laughs> and it shouldn't just be that. And, and there are some basic things, whether it be insurance, whether it be you know setting up some investment accounts, even if they're small, doing some things early when you're on the job to help prepare for those types of things that can make a big difference. And that's one thing I'm, I'm really proud of our POCUA institutions is not only do they take care of the whole family, but they make sure that one of their most important tasks is going to the academies and teaching new police officers some basic financial concepts so that five years, 10 years, 20 years down the line, they're in a much better shape if they do get injured than than they would be if they had not set some things up for themselves. And certainly it's not just our law enforcement. It's the same thing as our firefighters, our EMTs, our, our military. Right. Listen, there's a lot of stress in, in police work. I, I try to describe to people. It's a lot of monotony, a lot of boredom, and you go to sheer life-threatening exhilaration with off the charts, adrenaline back down to boredom. And that happens routinely throughout <laughs> the day, but most of it's boring. And then you can go from routine, boring to a fight for your life. So it can be very stressful. And the trauma of what they see can really have a, a profound impact on their mental health, their emotional health, and the, the health and well-being of their family. Now, add into that equation financial instability and stress from having too many bills and not enough income, that could be crippling. It really can. You know, that's, that's part of the foundation of our soundness initiative for the POC way in concentrating on four pillars of soundness for first responders out there. And the first one is financial. The, the other three you hit on, physical, emotional, and professional. But it's our belief that one of the sources of some of these problems that we have with first responders, whether it's divorce or alcoholism um, or even suicide, you know, a lot of those those issues also stem from not only the professional stress, but also the financial stress. 
in that you think, you know, I, I've gotten myself so deep into debt that my only way out is suicide or to just forget about it and dive into the bottle uh, rather, rather than really attacking it and taking care of it. And unfortunately, that happens so often. There's a triad with a law enforcement suicide, and it's not a new issue. It's been around since before I was a police, which is 1980s when I started. And quite often, it revolves around, involves post-traumatic stress, substance abuse with drinking primarily, isolation from loved ones, and then marital, financial, and or employment problems. And quite often... What results from that is suicide. It is a permanent solution to temporary problems that there are workarounds for, and there is a much better life. We're talking with Kenneth Bader. We've got so much more to talk about. When we return, we're going to talk more about true crime, true crime podcast, and some of the amazing interviews he's had. This is the Law Enforcement Today Show. There's only one official Facebook page. What you do, you do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Click like and follow. There you'll find updates about upcoming episodes of the radio show. You can contact me. We also find unique, one-of-a-kind editorials and news articles. That is our Facebook page, Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Be sure to click like and follow. We'll see you there. Don't go anywhere. We will be right back. Check out our most downloaded episode. This cops battles with the LAPD, gangs, and the Aryan Brotherhood. It's in Season 4, Episode 41. Go to letradioshow.com or search for Law Enforcement Today Podcast. Back to our conversation with Ken Bader on the Law Enforcement Today Show. Man's got a lot of things, a lot of irons in the fire. He is a podcaster. The name of his podcast is the Public Safety Talk Radio Podcast. You can find it online. Go to policecreditunions.com or just do a search for a Public Safety Talk Radio Podcast. He is also the True Crime Category Director for Podcast Magazine. Go to podcastmagazine.com to get more information. And as I said before, he's a great interview of me for the True Crime Fighters Podcast. Uh, featured in the June 2021 issue. And one of the things I like, by the way, you can see it at podcastmagazine.com. One of the things I really liked about the interview, Ken, is it wasn't so much about my police experience. It wasn't so much about the podcast. It was about me as an individual, and it had a lot to do with fatherhood and and parenting and dealing with stress and trauma and a lot of things that, that people don't really get exposed to. One of the things that's fascinating about true crime and I'm going to go to Investigation Discovery Channel on television as an example. My wife loves to watch it. I watch it with her because, well, quite honestly, she's my wife and she's the boss. And what she says goes. <laughs> and there's a fascination with, can this happen to me? And can I figure out who did it? That's the two things that she has when she watches these things. And I see and I understand there's a lot of similarities in the true crime podcast listeners and people listening to this show. They'll hear certain things that go, man, it's almost like a train wreck effect. I, I know it's horrible. I don't want to look, but I can't stop and help but look at it. In your career interviewing true crime podcasters, are there any stories about people that really surprised you? 
There are a few, definitely. Uh, you know, I, I joke, and some of my colleagues even get surprised that I was never a cop because they they say that I come at things with some similar <laughs> uh, mannerisms that law enforcement does. But it, it takes quite a bit to really shock me and take some pause. Uh, the number one thing that actually comes to mind is uh, I interviewed Steve Gold. Uh, or Gould, I apologize if I'm getting his last name wrong, from uh, Things Police See, another great podcast out there. And when I was interviewing him, he was telling me a story uh, that he heard, I believe, from a, another police officer of a homeless man raping another man in an alley. I won't go into great detail on on the radio, but he did. And I I thought to myself, you know, uh, you know, why, why would somebody do that? (laughs) Why would somebody think this is a good idea? (laughs) The things that people do, the things that that, that you see are mind boggling. And one of the things is the amount of violence people can inflict on each other and loved ones it would would be enough to curl almost anyone's hair. If you saw how many times little children were burned with lit cigarettes, how many times spouses were stabbed, and those are just the ones that survived. The ones that are killed, yep. it, it, it it is never ending, and there seems to be no way to stop the cycle. Yeah, yeah, unfortunately, you know, my family had a very close family member that was was murdered in violent crime in uh, in in her home. Uh, I won't go into great detail on that, but yeah, I think because of that, there are very few stories after having heard that one and have it hit so close to home, not only for me but my family. There aren't many stories that I hear that disturb me or irk me or surprise me because I've seen up close or not seen with my own eyes, but experience is probably the best word. I experience myself how evil people can be, whether it's temporarily or for a lifetime. But every once in a while, some some of my podcaster friends get me. (laughs) You brought up something that... uh is very important. And and be honest with you, details of violent crime, I tell people before the interview, we don't need to get knee deep in the trauma mm-hmm. because it becomes overwhelming for a lot of people. They can't imagine it. And if you didn't go through something like your family went through, you can't imagine it. My thing is when I hear about people being victims of horribly violent crime, what happens in my mind is I know what I went through, and I start thinking, what did they go through? What was their mindset like? Did they realize that was going to be the end? And and I'm not asking these things for you to answer. Those kind of things bother me even to this day. A lot of things don't shock me, but those things do. So when I hear these stories and the true crime stories, and I hear the viciousness that people have, a lot of times I'm thinking, what would possess these people to do these things? But I'm usually followed up very quickly and for a much longer period of time. I, I'm trying to imagine what the victim went through in her last moments. 
Yeah, I, I think that too. With a lot of these podcasts that I that I have to review, in in fact, the, going to my own family's experience, my it was my aunt that was killed with a baseball bat, and I have a very hard time whether it's a fictional movie or a true crime story on a podcast hearing about violence being done with a baseball bat. Uh, many times I'll, I'll watch it or listen to it, especially the latter, because I need to do it for, for my job. But you know, it, it, it does, it does affect me. Um, and it does help me to, I guess, understand, you know, I, I begin thinking about, well, what did that victim have to go through? Yeah, I, I don't want to call it a PTSI or PTSD, but my my wife tells me she she plays junior psychologist sometimes. She believes that what I went through 25 years ago through my family is part of my attraction to to the true crime genre. Maybe she's got something there. I will play junior amateur psychiatrist. Yeah, is part <laughs> of your fascination with this trying to rectify or you can't solve and correct what happened you can't make it go away but it's a way of trying to i'm going to find out what's going on with these situations and i'm going to make a difference i think a little bit of it is is that yeah i take great pride in when i interview somebody for podcast magazine and put the podcast out there whether it's the interview i did with you or or crimeaholics or the recent one with uh, anna sigal nicolazzi from anatomy of murder where you know these podcasts you know literally do serve a purpose in society of keeping these cases alive out there alerting the public as to to what is out there I, I i don't like to believe the world is evil but there is evil out there strictly stalking is is another one you know being aware of what's going on out there yeah i take great pride and maybe that's my little piece of my psyche that by highlighting these podcasts that are doing something important in the world that I'm doing a little something. You can find Ken's work at podcastmagazine.com in the true crime category. Tell us about Police Credit Unions and what you do. Yeah, I'm the CEO and founder of the POCUA. It stands for Police Officers Credit Union Association. And the primary thing that I do is I create collaboration and networking, not only among credit unions that serve first responders out there and police officers, of course, but also businesses that serve first responders. We're, we're all about improving the business of serving first responders. So we have a lot of folks that are part of our association and our group and, and attend our events, whether it's a financial institution, it's a police foundation, uh, it's a business that provides products and services to police officers and firefighters. Yeah, I make sure that we have forums. We used to be in person more often before COVID, and we're getting back to that. But make sure we have forums where these folks can collaborate and learn. And as a result of that, you have a podcast called Public Safety Talk Radio Podcast. What is that about? Exactly. That is there to to support uh, not only all of our organizations in the POCUA, but to provide these these this great insight 
into the different pillars of our soundness initiative, financial soundness, physical soundness, emotional soundness, professional soundness. So every episode hits on one or more of those four pillars and is there for, for first responders to, to get some real insight and also find the help that they need in any of those four pillars. And they can get a hold of you at policecreditunions.com, correct? Exactly. You can find me there. You can find all of our institutions and other partners that are part of us. Uh, and uh, I'm pretty easy to find. It's kbader at policecreditunions.net. Uh, happy to talk to anybody in the first responder world that we can, we can better help. Ken, thanks so much for being a guest on the show. Very much appreciated. Oh, it's been a it's been an honor to talk to you, Jay. I'd like to thank our guests so much for coming on the Law Enforcement Today radio show. The Law Enforcement Today radio show is a nationally syndicated radio show broadcast on numerous stations once a week and growing. If you enjoyed the podcast version of the show, please do me a big favor. Tell a friend. I'll be back in just a couple days with a brand new episode of the Law Enforcement Today radio show and podcast. Until then, this is John J. Wiley. See ya. See ya.